Welcome to Horror Struck. Welcome back, horror babies. Woo. So we saw the new Candyman, directed by Nia DaCosta. I guess we'll just jump right into it. So we're going to do a little spoiler-free talk up top. We will let you know when we're going into spoiler territory in case you have not seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, so general thoughts up top. Okay, so I know you and I have both been trying not to give away our feelings to each other, but I think we're in two different places. We're in two different places? I didn't like it. (gasps) You didn't like it? I didn't like it. I will talk about why as we go on, but just generally, I got out of the theater and I was so disappointed. Is there anything you can say that is not spoilers? I can dance around it. I'll give some things that I do like. I think some pros of the movie. Visually, I think it's great. I think it looks really good. I think they do some really interesting things involving mirrors. There's a lot of really interesting things they've done with puppetry. It's good acting all around. I think the the cast is really good. What else do I like? Oh, there's some good body horror. That was that was interesting. That was good. I like that I didn't have to see a lot of black people die on screen like I did in the first Candyman. That's about it, though. That's all I really like. Oh, wow. Okay, this is going to be a very uh, interesting... I think the story is lacking. What do you think? I agree. I overall, I did like it. I think how they added to the Candyman lore, I think they did it exquisitely. I think it was the exact direction that they needed to go with it. I thought the act was really good. I thought a lot of the scares were pretty inventive, pretty creative. Did like that it was mostly the white people dying. Yeah, not that I'm like, yay, kill whitey, but like, you know. But it makes sense with where they're taking the story that would happen. I completely see where you're coming from about the plot. I think I still like this movie, but there are parts of the plot and without going into too much depth yet, I think one of the things that I think this movie suffered from was our main character, Anthony. I don't necessarily know if he had a character besides him being a necessity of the plot. Not saying anything against uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. He is phenomenal. I, I've loved him in everything I've seen him. Oh, he's really good. Yeah, And yeah. he does a really good job. But I completely see where you're coming from. For me, a lot more of the good outweighed the things I thought were weak. I had a, a good time. Something that you had said to me was that you felt it was too short. I agree. I want to see a Candyman series now. That, I think, is one of my biggest issues because they do start to bring in some backstories of these characters. A really, really interesting point that we needed to explore more, Tiana Paris's character, she plays um, Anthony's girlfriend. They show you something that happened in her past. It's 30 seconds of the film. I really, really wish we would have expanded on this backstory because I think it would have made the message that they want come across a bit clearer because this movie, it's about inherited trauma. It's about generational violence. We're not exploring those bullet points as much as we need to be to make this message actually mean something when we get to the end of the film. I see where you're coming from. I disagree a little bit. I think they touched on her backstory enough that I didn't really need more because you can put the pieces together of how you see 
see her life shaping up from the trauma that happened in her life. And I think it is about cyclical violence, about how everybody, especially our Black characters, they all have a story about how something very, very terrible has happened. There's a character in the movie who's played by Coleman Domingo. His name is William Burke. He has a really good quote when he's talking to Anthony where he says, I don't remember the exact quote. It's essentially like all this violence happened and no one notices, but one white lady dies and the story just lives on and on forever. But it's like one blip in this huge span of trauma that's happened to this neighborhood. I think expanding on his backstory especially would have helped a lot or given him more scenes in the first half of the film because his character becomes pretty important. I agree with that. I think they showed us enough for him but there is something that happens towards the end that I felt like maybe one more scene could have built up to it more I actually do kind of like the way that they leave a lot of things unresolved in this movie at first I was kind of upset about that because I wanted more but then I was like well isn't that just kind of how it is in America yeah okay I don't know it just I think my main problem when we do get to the end of the film is that the entire thing leading up to what happens is it a story or is it poorly written thesis on redlining and gentrification you can have political horror but i don't think they did a good job did the best job i don't think they did a bad job though and i think it all hinges on their change in reinterpretation of Candyman. so i think with that you want to go ahead and jump into spoilers yeah because there's a lot that i need to talk about for those who might be hopping off the podcast because they haven't seen the movie yet i'm gonna give this movie a yay to go see it I think that the good things do outweigh the bad i think it's still good performances good visuals i think it's worth seeing so yay So now we are entering spoiler territory. So if you have not seen the new Candyman and you do not want to be spoiled, better leave because we're going to spoil a whole bunch of stuff. One of the things that this movie does really well, I don't even know if I would necessarily say reinterpreting so much as adding to the lore of Candyman because Candyman is is now not just this one guy who had something very traumatic happen to him. The original story of Candyman is that he was a black man who fell in love with a white woman. He suffered because of it. They cut off his hand, they put a hook on it, they covered him with honey so he gets stung by bees, and then they burned him alive. Uh, What they do with this movie is they make Candyman more of almost like a title. He's more of a force of nature than he is one wronged ghost, which I think really works because they turn Candyman, this spiteful force that is just feeding off of everybody in the neighborhood into this avenging angel. And I think that's why we get that end shot with Tony Todd and why he doesn't kill Brianna is because he's like, guess what? I'm working for you now, bitches. Let's take down all of these motherfuckers. I think it's a little fucked up that they turn Candyman into a superhero at the end after the events of the first movie. I don't think it's necessarily a superhero, though. I think it is it's this boiling over of like how long can you oppress 
a people before it really just boils over, stops just affecting them, but starts affecting the oppressors themselves. Because that doesn't really happen in the first Candyman. The oppressors do not get any sort of punishment. Well, and I think there's a a really good quote in the first Candyman that they say up top where he's talking and basically says, like, I kill innocent people because what's blood for if not for shedding? I think what my problem is, is that this film is a spiritual sequel to Candyman. I think if it were just its own story, I could forgive what they do with him at the end a lot more, but it it didn't make sense to me. I get that. I liked it. I liked this story of oppression about how all these white people are coming in now using gentrification to, to kick all these people out of their homes reach the point where it's it's just not gonna not gonna deal with it anymore not gonna stay quiet there are less drastic measures you can take than sacrificing a man to become this martyr which i guess is also a social commentary but no one seems to care when black people were shot down in the streets so burke that was definitely his intention was to create the new candy man But Burke also dies because he tries to do that. We don't really get Anthony as Candyman. We get Tony Todd as Candyman. We get the the entity. I mean, we get five seconds of Tony Todd, which was good. I like maybe teared up a little in the theater, but whatever. I'm just going to go quickly through the... This new Candyman takes place pretty much present day. The first movie, not the sequels, but the first movie did happen in this universe. Except that because storytelling is such an intricate part of the story that a lot of the stories about what happened in the first movie are portrayed differently, which actually makes sense. I really like that part, that like any urban legend, it changes over time. Our lead character is Anthony. He is played by Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. He has a girlfriend. Her name is Brianna. She is played by Tiana Paris. Anthony is an artist. Brianna is a curator. Anthony essentially has artist block. He seeks out the legend of Candyman as inspiration. And then as the movie goes on and he unravels Candyman, he discovers that he is intricately involved in the legend of of Candyman, which is he is the baby from the first movie that Candyman used to bait Helen with and almost killed in the flames. The movie ends with Anthony being possessed in turned into Candyman instead of killing Brianna kills all the cops that that have threatened her to imprison her uh, if she doesn't lie about what happened there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens some of the more important things are that there's a character called William Burke who's played by Coleman Domingo he is someone that grew up in Caperny Green saw a man I don't did they call him the Candyman it was a man who looked very similar to Candyman, except that he had lost his hand in a candy factory, so he had a sort of hook, and he would pass out candy to the neighborhood kids, but there was legends that there were razor blades in it. There definitely wasn't ever any razor blades in the candy, but the cops used it as an excuse to essentially beat and shoot him to death. So there's a lot of trauma that uh, happens in this film. Besides Tony Todd, Vanessa Williams comes back as Anthony's mother, Anne-Marie. So that was a lot of fun. Okay, speaking of this, and I was very happy to see her. I think another issue I had, and I'm dumb. I should have realized that that's who he was, like, in the trailer when they call him Anthony. 
and literally in the theater went, oh, when she showed up. But I think if we would have introduced her character a lot earlier, we could have gotten that out of the way because there's really no reason that it needs to be kept from us. It was kept from him, but I think that's dumb too. What I wanted to see is this man has been taken out of Cabrini Green and now he's in this like art world, but he doesn't have this past of growing up in the projects. So I would like to see a man who doesn't really know where he fits in. He doesn't fit in with this community that his mom grew up in. He doesn't fit in with these like white, artsy, bougie people and is having like an identity crisis. That's what I wanted. Yeah, I get that. I understand what they were doing though. And for me, as soon as they said his name is Anthony, I was like, I bet that's the thing that Riley said they they didn't see coming. And I was like, it's definitely got to be baby Anthony, right? I'm so dumb. Well, if you haven't seen the movie in a while. And I think that's a good idea. Yeah. And the idea that you sent me the polo where you had re-listened to our episode about Candyman and you're like, well, Anthony's going to grow up and he's just going to, what was your exact wording? I can't even remember. Roll the clip. What did I say? I said that when. Yeah. Anthony's going to grow up and be a fully formed black man and then the police aren't going to give a shit about him. And I was right. That's what happens in this movie. I don't know. I just wanted a better way to get there. Well, I'm so sorry that you didn't have as good of a time as I did. It's fine. Maybe I'll go see it again. I think I, maybe my hopes were too high after old. After old? Is that what you said? Yeah, because I wanted old to be good. And I was like, okay, well, old sucked, but that's okay because I've got Candyman still. It'll be so good. And then... It wasn't. The first Candyman is so focused on Helen as a character and her like relationship and then like the the backstory that's unspoken about her and like Candyman and their like reborn selves or whatever. And this story is very different. I just rewatched the original Candyman last night and I think, and this is adding on to what I said earlier, but I think there's just a lack of community in this film and that was pretty focused on in the first film when she would go to Cabrini Green and like when all of the all of the residents of Cabrini Green show up like at her funeral at the end, there was a big lack of that. And I think that could have been a really interesting thing to explore. The lack is clearly because of gentrification, because they did shoot at Cabrini Green again, because the towers are down, but that row house is still there. So I did like that they actually went back and shot at Cabrini Green, like they did with the first one. But yeah, it's one of those things that it's important to find a place to set your roots in. And the problem is if you've got, you know, your whole family, you're setting your roots in this place and then gentrification comes and kicks you out, just separates the whole community. Where do they call home when they're just forced to keep moving and moving and moving? Like you almost don't have a sense of home. And why would you have a sense of community if you know like, oh, in a year, these white folks might come in, decide they want to live in this area and just kick us out again. Well, they even could have explored that more though. Like they could have talked to more than just that one guy that was left in the projects. The issue of being black in America is just so complex. Like what do you focus on when there are so many issues? And you know what? That's a good point because I'm never going to know what that's like. So I could be dead wrong, which is fine. Tell me if I am. Not you because you're white too. Somebody else tell me. I am white. Correct. What did you think about Burke as a, a villain at the end? Was he a villain? What is going on with him? I don't know if I would necessarily say he's a villain. I mean, he is. He's a very desperate man. He's a very broken man. I mean, he watched a man get beat to death in front of him, so that's that's not fun. Is he doing this because of guilt? Does he feel bad that 
he thinks he like led the police to him. I think it's one of those things where clearly this was not the only thing that ever happened to him. And it's just, you reach a point where you're just done. Like, I can't, I can't take anymore. Can we just please have Candyman come back and just kill some people because I am sick of it. Well, then they should have showed me that more. His heel turn, I think, does happen way too quickly. It's very abrupt, yeah. I had a feeling that something was going on with him, but I wasn't expecting him to just be and I guess I should have because it wasn't Anthony that sought him out Anthony just happened to be at Caprini Green taking pictures and guess who came up behind him William so I wonder if it was his plan the whole time or maybe once he learned Anthony's name he was like oh no I think that makes more sense yeah if he realized who he was was like oh this will prove an even more prevalent point so I'll use him I think with his character and with Anthony's character the abruptness of these spirals. Anthony goes from a perfectly normal man to a drooling, babbling idiot. He's not. He's possessed, I guess. But the turn is so fast. That bee sting, man. Oh, when he pulled his fingernails off. Oh my god. Gross. That's when I stopped eating my popcorn. I think the body horror they did was really good. It looked like he was turning into like a honeycomb. It looked really interesting. I do really like the use of mirrors. Mm-hmm. Candyman doesn't really manifest until Anthony is made into Candyman. Otherwise, you see him in mirrors and reflections, or you just don't see him at all. It's very effective. There's one really goofy scene where it doesn't work, and that's at the art gallery with the, the first kills of the movie. But I think otherwise, the kill scenes are really good. There's one with this like wide angle that you're looking into someone's apartment building as they're being killed and I thought that was probably my favorite shot of the movie it looked great yeah it was good but I think all the yeah kills and stuff were pretty interesting other than the first one and one of the things I loved that they did with this movie is that the black people in this movie have so much more sense than the white people which makes sense because white people live in this bubble of we haven't had to really deal with oppression so why would we be expecting something to happen at all moments I feel like there's always signs for the white people to stop but the black characters in the movie, I think especially of Brianna, there's a moment where she opens a door into like a dark basement and she goes, nope. And then she just shuts the door. <laughs> and I was like, yep. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, that was very funny. And her brother, what's his name? Nathan Stewart Jarrett plays. They had some really good comic relief moments. And he has a really good line where he basically just says, black people do not need to be summoning shit. Yeah, you've got enough problems without a demon. Completely accurate. Yeah, I liked all the little characters in this movie. I think they did a really good job paying homage to the first movie. They kept doing these shots where the camera was essentially like looking up at these skyscrapers, but the tops you couldn't see because they were covered with clouds. It was really pretty. The reason I absolutely loved it is because the first Candyman, all those shots are from the sky looking down. And I might be reading too much into it, but it's like a white audience looking down on this poor black community. And I like like that they switched it where it's it's like the black community is looking up from the ground. And I think just that change of perspective. It's definitely through a white gaze. Yeah, because our main character is Helen. She's white. We're following her. We're not following anyone else. We do joke about Helen being a white savior. And she is in a way. I think Helen's character is kind of complicated. Yeah, I don't think she ever set out to be. But I think she's naive and falls into that role. Because you can read her a lot of different ways. 
is. And I really like Helen. Because it's almost like she sees all this trauma and sacrifice that happens around her. And by the end, she is giving the baby back. Like she's sacrificing herself to give something back to the community that she thinks has been so wrongly. Yeah, she's literally saving the future of the black community. So is she God and then Anthony is Jesus? Oh no, is that the metaphor? No, I don't think so. I think it's, this is the one thing I can do. This is the one thing I can do. And then in this movie, oh, this movie is great because storytelling comes into play a lot. So Brianna's brother, his name is Troy. Yeah, he's played by Nathan Stewart Jarrett. He tells a story at the very beginning where he makes them turn off all the lights and he tells the story of Helen. It's so different than the first movie because Helen is a crazy white lady, went into Caperna Green, killed a Rottweiler, was doing snow angels in its blood, and then she stole a baby. But the community turned turned and stopped her and got the baby back and then she wandered off into the fire and so Helen is just viewed as this crazy lady and it's funny because anytime anybody in the movie googles or looks up Caperny Green Helen comes up right with it so it's almost like this story about this crazy white lady overshadows everything else about Caperny Green you know what's strange that I just realized while you were talking about that so the movie set in 2019 Anthony is relatively like he's up up and coming, so sort of a bigger artist. If anyone were to Google him and then look up who his mom is, wouldn't he have like figured out immediately that that was him just with the way that the internet is today? How did she keep that a secret for so long? They never revealed the name of the baby. I thought they were calling him Baby Anthony. The problem was that even his mom says everyone was supposed to keep it a secret, but one person let it slide. That's why Candyman got further. So it's almost like they changed the story so people wouldn't know what really happened so that Candyman couldn't spread. But then Burke let it fucking slide and he took the real information out and brought Candyman back. Okay, I see. Okay, let me just say also, so Vanessa Williams is only in one scene of this movie, but that woman has not aged a single day. She... God, yeah. Is not a day. hot, and she's on the new season of The L Word, and I'm really looking forward to that, because I'll get to look at her more. Good for her. Another really interesting thing they do visually in the movie is they use shadow puppets. Oh, I stayed for the entirety of the end credits to watch that. It was so good. I absolutely loved all the use of shadow puppets to tell these stories of generational trauma and all these different Candymans. One of the reasons I like it, I'm like, ah, I get it. Because it's black and white and we know what's wrong and what's right. Oh, is that what's happening? I was hoping it was just, we don't want to have to, you know, show you more of this violence that's unnecessary. I think so too. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, puppetry has been a big storytelling element in a lot of different cultures, so I liked it a lot. You'll definitely want to stay through the whole credits because they do a whole sequence of every person who has taken on the Candyman mantle, essentially, or I guess whose story has. Yeah, so I wonder if the cycle is not necessarily broken, but changed now because these people, these white people have come in to gentrify the area and now they're no longer safe from Candyman because they're in the areas that Candyman hunts. I think that's interesting. And I love that it just ends with tell everyone. I love Tony Todd. He's great. Oh, his voice. It's very effective. He's only on screen for like 10 seconds and damn, that might have been my favorite part of the movie. I wonder if the movie is also trying to say that there is some sort of power in speaking up and using your voice. 
the only black character besides Anthony that says Candyman is Brianna at the end. And when she says it, Candyman's like, guess what? I am here, but guess what? I'm going to murder all these fucking white people. And I'm like, yes. I don't know. We only see him do that. What if he... I'm working for the community now. It's changed Candyman now. People are going to summon Candyman to get justice. To murder their enemies? Okay, here's the thing. Remember how in the first one he does all of that, but then he frames Helen for it? What if the part we don't see is him framing Brianna for all of it once uh, he's slaughtered all of the police? She's in handcuffs. How could she have done it? Well, she starts walking away, so I assume she's going somewhere to take those handcuffs off. I think that Candyman has now changed. I think Candyman has definitely changed by the end of the movie. I don't know how I feel about that. I like your interpretation. I I hope that's what they're trying to say. Maybe not being so literal. Yeah, it's like, use your voice, speak out. It's not like, turn your anger against your own community kind of thing. It's more of like, looking out at the community or the other communities around you that are oppressing you. So they literally taught Candyman that lesson and he was like oh you guys are right why do I keep killing all of my ancestors not ancestors descendants uh yeah yeah thank you it's mostly white people who die in this movie and it's mostly people who have gentrified the area so it's hey guess what now you get to share in our trauma with us congrats you really wanted to live here that bad about time they did use some of Philip Glass's music, but not a lot. But I think they still got very much the vibe of the original music. I thought they did a pretty good job with that. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was as good, but I really liked the Say My Name song from the trailer where they mesh it with like the Destiny's Child song. It's so good. Yeah! I think the music from the original is just so iconic, especially since, uh, I don't want to say they tricked Philip Glass, but Philip Glass did not understand the kind of movie he was composing for and so was kind of mad when he he realized until later he was like well does pay the money the composer is robert ike aubrey low is that all one name it's all one name nia da costa did a good job directing i keep meaning to watch little woods but i haven't yet one of these days i'll get around to watching it well she's got some marvel stuff coming up too so i'm sure we'll see her a lot more in the future yeah she is going to be directing the marvels which is the marvel film that's gonna have captain marvel miss marvel uh what's her name photon what's her name (laughs) from wandavision the woman who got the superpowers you talking about monica yeah monica she's in this movie that we're talking about now she's gonna be in um the marvels though too so that's i was just trying to remember i don't think they've given her her superhero name yet i want to see more of but her. i know in the comics one of the name is photon so that's that's why i was like photon photon didn't help that's because i don't give a shit about marvel anymore it's not true i really want to see that new spider-man it looks so good do you want to talk about our movie theater experience Oh, okay. Because we both had very similar movie theater experiences, which is, there are probably like a good handful of people. I would say there's probably like 20, maybe 30 people. I was in a bigger theater. This must be a big cultural movie for the black community because you had had sent me a polo that was like, there were a lot of kids in my theater and there were a lot of kids in my theater. I'm glad the movie wasn't as scary for their sake. But yeah, there were at least like four kids that I saw and it was all families there. It was all like mom, dad, couple kids and it was all black families. I think I was the only white 
person that I saw. And I think, yeah, there are probably like 20, 25 people there with me. Flagstaff is a very white and indigenous community. So there was like one really nice black family that was in the theater and they just seemed to be having a really good time. Oh, they were taking selfies at the end of it. Yeah, when the movie ended and the credits started going up, they all got up. Yeah, a really funny story. They all got up and started like taking pictures of each other with each other. I was just like, what is happening? And well, uh, they must have not have seen each other in a, in a while. The like three kids who were there that were probably like eight, they were all just really excited talking about all the kills they liked. So the one thing that did happen in my theater that I think made the ending a lot more effective for me. The ending, first of all, reminds me a lot of the end of Get Out. When Anthony is killed and the police show up and you see the the flashing lights of the police car, the theater was completely silent except for this one woman who stopped and went, oh no, she's dead. Oh no! And I, yeah, started crying. It's like, oh, this is awful. But that really shows you where we're at in today's society that that was the reaction. We just assume when the cops show up. That this gets, yeah, when these police show up and they see a black woman and a black man who looks dead but also has got like a hook hand. It was very sad. And I think attached to a different movie, the ending would have been a lot more effective for me. But I I heard a lot about that happening in audiences with Get Out as well when there was a higher populated black audience uh, as opposed to a white one. The reactions when the police show up are vastly different because the white people, when the police show up, they're like, oh, good. They're here to save him. And then the black audience knows, like, oh, this is going to turn out even worse. So that was something interesting that had happened. Thank God Jordan Peele decided to not end his movie, sadly. Oh, if Get Out would have went with the alternative ending, it would have sucked. Just been really sad. Going back to what I said earlier, um... The lack of what I would say a stronger plot didn't bother me. But Anthony's character, I thought he was kind of, like him as a character was kind of boring. He felt to me more like a plot contrivance to get Candyman than he did a character. In the end, his girlfriend ends up being the one who, in a way, lives to the end. I feel like it turns from him being the main character to her being the main character. Yeah, baby Anthony becomes a plot device and not a real character, which really sucks. Would I have liked it better if instead of him being entranced, he chose to make himself Candyman? Oh, yeah, he doesn't have a choice. He gets stung by a bee when he's doing research, and then that kind of infects him. Gets what looks like a, like, hive pock marks all over his body, and then he just kind of goes comatose and Burke chops off his hand and sticks a hook on it. Ugh, gross. Which is just as pleasant as it sounds. What do you think the importance is that Burke does make a point when that's happening in the chapel to be like, hey, uh, he looks at Brianna and he's like, we need you because we need a witness so that Candyman will keep living? Is the idea that Candyman used to be this story that would scare black community of Caperny Green and now it's being used as a story to scare white people? Oh, okay. This would make sense, especially with the tell everybody line afterward. Well, and that makes me wonder, Burke probably knows that he's not going to make it either. So he's like, hey, this is why we need you, because I can predict the events of what's going to happen once I do this. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. That does make sense. Found it there in the end. Yeah, you got there. Got 
God. Is there anything else I want to talk about? I feel like pretty tired. So I feel like my thoughts are very scattered right now. So I apologize for that. You know who Burke reminds me of in terms of villains? Who? Was his name Sartain? Dr. Sartain from the Halloween 2018 oh. movie? <laughs> yes. Where it just comes out of fucking nowhere, but he's just so evil. Just turns. Suddenly. Turns all of a sudden. Yeah, he reminded me a lot of that. And that I thought was probably the weakest part of that movie too. I just, they should have led up to that better. Doesn't Burke, besides the fact that he watched that man get beat to death, didn't his his sister died, right? I think so. If his sister, like, said Candyman in the mirror, I think. No, you're right, because there's a scene with a little boy who wants to, like, play with his sister and her friends, and they're like, no, you can't come in. This is for, like, big kids. And they say the Candyman thing, and then they die. I guess I didn't put that together if it was him. Yeah, I think that was him, which would make more sense then, because he's like, I'm gonna bring Candyman back, but now Candyman isn't just gonna kill... He's gonna kill everybody now. He's, you know, gonna also kill those white folks why would you want to bring back the guy who killed your sister though because of gentrification i'm sure he never said it but i'm sure his laundromat's about to go under or they're gonna force him out the laundry the washing machine symbolizes the cycle of violence get it you get it do you get it Ooh, the spin cycle of violence they did some stuff in this movie you get it? some you dumb get it? stuff Overall, I'm going to go ahead and say it's a yay. I would say that, especially if you like the first one, definitely go see this one. I think it adds a lot to the lore. I think it does have its flaws, but for me, the good definitely outweighs the bad. I agree. The bad part for me is the story. I think otherwise they've done a good job. I just don't like the story. But from just a, is this a movie standpoint? Yeah. It is. It's got good visuals. It's got good acting. It's got some interesting ideas. Go see it. It's fine. Support these nice actors. Yeah. We gotta do horror struck rating? Uh, one, two. Maybe, mm, 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 nah, mm, A one? One. (laughs) I'm also gonna give it a one for the body horror and for the very upsetting ending. I think that might have just been my theater experience though when the woman said, yeah, I'll give it a one for the body horror. Well, and the the credits is just really, it's, even though it's Shadow Puppets, it's hard to watch. It's so good though. For real, stay to see it. It's really good. Very well done. Yeah, and then I like that at the end, they do put up a a link that I'll put down below, but it's for um, candymanmovie.com slash impact. Got a bunch of like featured black artists. That's cool. The art that Anthony did in the movie, some of that was really cool. I'll put a link down to that so you should go check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff on that site. Nice little companion guide to the movie. All right. Do we do anything else? Oh, do we need to do what we're doing next week? Tune in next week. We're going to be reviewing this Japanese horror film called House. Uh, It was an experience. Yeah, stick around. It's a great time. All right, horror fans. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Horror Struck. If you want to hear more from us, you can head on over to Twitter and Instagram where we are at HorrorStruckPod. Or you can check us out on Facebook at Horrorstruck Podcast. If you have any movie recommendations, you can go ahead and tweet those at us and give it your very own Horrorstruck rating. Until next time, horror fans, remember, stay spooky. Bye. Okay, goodbye. Bye.